Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Ooh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Bates. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computech. They provide technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Sajil Kreshi here with another episode of RevOps 500, where we interview some of the world's greatest B2B marketers. Uh, today, I, I can't tell you how honored and excited I am to be talking to a, an old colleague, an old friend. Uh, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with for sure. He's a skilled, passionate communicator. He's a results-driven guy. I like to call him the MacGyver of revenue. Uh, right now, he's the Chief Revenue Officer of True Fort. Scott Schneider, welcome to RevOps 500, man. Hey, thanks to Jill. That's a very kind introduction there, probably more than I deserve, but thanks a lot. I'm, lo I'm looking forward to our session today. Yeah, yeah, same, Scott. So anyways, let's, uh, let's just jump right into it. So Scott, what is, what is one RevOps myth that you can share with everybody here? A RevOps myth. I, I hear people talking about that a RevOps person is this, you know, mathematician and data analyst. And uh, I have actually had a different experience. I think that's a myth because I think that a, a great RevOps person, which we actually have here at Truefort, uh, his name is Phil. He reports uh, into me and I, I couldn't do my job without him. He discovers marketing and pipeline and customer success trends like a good RevOps person should. And, and he's, you know, he can also be sort of a data analyst with a quota, if you will. Um, but really what he does is he finds creative strategies to optimize our go-to-market. And, and he finds, um, you know, incredible insights for me that says, you know, did you know that this uh, stage in our sales process is, you know, 71% made up of financial services companies. And they've got some new regulations that are about to hit them that uh, we can solve for them. And I think we ought to, you know, uh, generate a marketing campaign. So Bill is amazing. And I, so, but I think that's one of the myths of, of RevOps. So it sounds like, you know, from what, you, what you're talking about, what Bill, you're describing what Bill does. I mean, like, it's almost like, you know, he's using analytics and statistics to, to basically, you know, drive revenue for, for the company. He is. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's really amazing. I, and it's, what's great is sometimes I'll get a call from him. And he just says, man, you're not going to believe what I just discovered, you know? And so it's really, it's really critical for me to have that, that data, but he's also very creative. So it's not just the data. He also is crunch driven and experience driven. So it's a really important role in our firm. So it's, it's almost like, you know, you, you need the, you need, you need that person to, to not only understand that, like the statistics and the numbers, but also understand what that means in terms of actually what's happening on the ground, like with people, business, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, just having that understanding that, you know, our mission statement for my revenue team is, is pretty simple. You know, we create predictable revenue to drive shareholder value. That's what we do. It's what we do all day, every day. If someone asks, what do we do? And, and Phil really is part of that ethos. He gets that, that we're trying to, you know, uh, always create predictable revenue. We're all shareholders of the firm, as are, you know, our investors and our board directors. And, and that's why we're here. If we're doing all the other things, great. If we're building beautiful products and having great marketing campaigns and all these other things, if, it's, if we're not realizing a growth in ARR, then we're doing a lot of things wrong. 
So, so let, let's, let's talk about that then. I mean, so you, know, you, you have, you have a team there, obviously. I mean, it's also very technically, it's also a very technical process where you, where you driving, managing RevOps, managing, managing, building predictable revenue is a very technical process as well. So what, what are some of the things that keep you up at night technically? I mean, is there anything that you can kind of jam with us about or? Yeah, look, I think um, the, the segment of cyber that we're in is, is not um, readily understood. There's, there's um, not a lot of uh, common definitions, even some of the, the main um, sort of, you know, products that we sell or solutions that we deliver. Uh, many times when we're speaking with a prospect, they may not completely understand exactly what micro segmentation is, how they gain value from it. And so we're constantly, uh, I'm, what keeps me up at, uh, at night is complexity. Uh, maybe this is because I'm a Texas guy and I just want to be simple. I don't know, but I love simplicity and I, and I love, we have an amazing SE team that can go as technically, you know, deep as anyone wants to go. And that's always at our seller side. I want our seller and we're, 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 I would say we're uh, pretty good at this and emerging to be very, very high level and let the listener choose their learning journey. You know, don't start at the bottom and, and go up, start at the top. We, we help you with containment. We're in the containment era. It was prevention, it was detection, now it's containment. And setting that context is a great thing. It allows our prospects to, to choose how technical they want to get. So I would say complexity is what keeps me up. So the fact that, I mean, that's, it's a very complex environment that you're in and you need to kind of, you know, simplify it more or less, yes? Yeah, you've got to be able to communicate it at a, at a high level. You know, this is, you've probably heard this before, but, you know, if your grandmother says to Jill, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You have to answer her one way. Yeah. If your friend, if your friend who is a fireman said, hey, so Jill, what do you do? You have to answer him a different way. If your friend who's in tech, but not in cyber, asks you, what do you do? Now you can get a little deeper. If your friend who is a, a cyber, who's been in cyber for 20 years, hey, what do you guys do? That's a completely different answer. But you know all those people, Sajil, and you know what their technical competency is and how to deliver the right message to the right audience at the right time. And so I think that it's, you know, selling in cyber is, is so fascinating because a uh, few reasons. And I think this is common in most technology on sales environments is that I, I've never used any of the products that I've sold in 22 years. I've never been an operator. I'm selling to someone who is more technical than me that realizes I don't use this thing, if I were selling you an iPhone, I could say, so Jill, this thing has changed my life. It's got everything I need. Uh, I can't say that because I don't use it. So it just really, I think, requires a modern seller to be um, high level, to be able to communicate high level, but also be extremely technically competent. You know, so we say competent, competency drives the confidence to have the courage to have conviction. And if that, if you don't, if you don't have that competency, I think it's difficult to have confidence. Yeah. And also you can't really meet people where they are when you're, when you're talking to them, right? Like you, you can't, you can't explain to your grandmother what, you know, what TrueFord does or what any cybersecurity company does. If you, if you don't know exactly, if you don't know what they do, you can't explain to, you can't put it in layman terms at all, layperson or whatever, you can't do anything. Like yeah. That. I've, I've had in my career, you may have seen this as well. I've had some really successful sellers that don't know hardly anything about the product. Now they're very good at um, 
bringing in the team, they're, they're interested in the team that they know they need to communicate properly and they recognize their weaknesses. I, I'm just not that guy. I, I just, I, I want to be uh, authentic. I want to be honest. I want to be sincere with my clients. I want to bring my, my uh, personal morals to work every day. I don't want to be this nice guy on the weekends, but on Monday morning at eight o'clock, I'm just a jerk who lies to people. It just, maybe I'm just, you know, deep into my career and if those things are important to me. And the way to do that for me is to be able to say, if, if you were a potential client, you know, Sajil, this has been a good conversation. I'm not seeing that we can solve the problem that you have. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I want to say that. And maybe you say, hold on, I'm seeing something different. I think you can. Or maybe you say, I'm not either, Scott. And then we can talk about something more fascinating, like football or yeah, football. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, let's let's talk about like, um, you know, automation. Like, what, what do you what do you think about like marketing automation in RevOps and marketing? I mean, how do you how do you use it? I mean, is it is it something you're you're high on, you're low on? What's your take? Oh yeah, that's a really good question, Sajil. And uh, you know, I was. Uh, on the co-founding team of a third-party risk company called CyberGRX. We actually incubated at Blackstone. And our founder was the former CISO of Blackstone. And then, um, you know, he hired a CEO and then who brought on, I think there was four of us uh, on the, on the co-founding team. I'm telling you that, Stu, because uh, we really built an inbound strategy that was a big part of our, our strategy. Using HubSpot and using other tools uh, inbound was big, so it's difficult. It takes a lot. We, we hired a, I would say a, a marketing scientist in a way that could, could really understand the data. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I think, uh, building a real inbound strategy is absolutely critical to uh, a SaaS based, you know, company these days, the buying process has changed so much in the last six to 12 years. You know, you've got in, in my business, chief information security officers have multiple private Slack channels with other CISOs. And so if they're looking at Trueforth, they're just going to go into those three channels and ask 20, 30, 50 other CISOs, hey, have you guys had a good experience with Trueforth? Never heard of them. Or everyone says, yeah, we bought them. It was great or it was terrible, whatever. So when they, when they finally engage us as sellers, they know a lot. They know pricing, they can go to G2, all those things. The other thing that I'm really keen on that I bet you are too, and I'm constantly preaching, as a matter of fact, to have a session today with our sales team to go over some, some strategies here is intent. And I think intent is really uh, vital. It's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a nice to have today in today's world. And so if I'm a, uh, if I'm a seller at Trueford and I've got 150 accounts that I'm targeting for various reasons, I, I think they're, they fit in our ideal customer profile, that sort of thing. Uh, to understand the intent that they have in buying a, a solution or the intent that they have around a problem we can solve is absolutely critical because now I can take my 150 and instead of, you know, reaching out to them alphabetically, I can now just rank them by their intent. And if I find out that they're looking at containment strategies, you know, why not call that person first or that company first? And so, um, yeah, I think, I think marketing automation is, is just huge. And so how do you, how, how are some ways of Trueforth that you guys measure intent? Well, so we have multiple platforms. <clears throat> we use a platform called Demandbase that allows our, our team to, to, you know, upload their named accounts lists. 
And it just scores everything based on intent keywords that we've entered, like micro segmentation, like zero trust, like, you know, other words like that. And then we also use intent uh, in the, uh, and this is happening by every seller uh, every day is we're looking, um, has this firm ever, ever touched our website or downloaded any content? Now that is not an indication that they want to call back. You know, it might be a, uh, it might be an intern doing some research or something like that. And I think we all despise the, you know, the times where we go to some random, uh, site, we download a piece of content and five minutes later, we're getting a call that's, Hey, you know, would you like to buy? Come on, man. I'm just, I'm just looking. And so we, we think of intent as do they have intent around in our space? Do they have the intent around our company? And then we use uh, other tools like LinkedIn navigator. If you. So I'm sure you're a LinkedIn navigator uh, user, yeah. but once you really, really learn how to, how to superpower navigator, uh, it's great. And it's, it's really great for the buyers as well. Uh, our team is very experienced. As you can see, I'm no spring chicken either. And I, I don't have a, I don't have a desire to twist people's arms. I, I'm not, I don't want to call you if you've already, if you have a competitor that you love, or um, if you just have no energy around this thing, and we don't always know that. Um, but I want to find out if you, if you have intent. And so we use Zoom. Zoom info does a good job on intent. Um, LinkedIn Navigator does a good job. We've got a couple of other tools that we use as well. Uh, and it's all just to, to score each one of our prospects to understand their, their mission. Got it. So you intend to use a combination of tools plus your own experience that kind of helps you measure intent in, you know, statistical ways and also just, you know, human, human ways as well. So what about like the, the future? I mean, like, so where do you feel like the future of RevOps, you know, marketing, selling, where do you see all that going? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that a minute ago. It's just, it's really, it's really shifted a lot. I'm, I'm fortunate in that, uh, I, you know, like us all, we've all made mistakes in our life and our professional life for sure. You know, it was about, uh, maybe a little over 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago when I, when I sort of recognized this shift. In, in buying behavior and uh, the digital economy and all those things. And, and I'm fortunate that I got out in front of it because I think a lot of uh, revenue leaders at, at my stage and my age are just still the still old schooling it, if you will. And so I'm constantly looking for, for new techniques. Uh, I'm looking for new technologies. I'm looking for new ways to engage with a, with a prospect um, when they want to be and how they want to be engaged with, you know, I was saying to someone, one of, uh, one of our SEs, I believe it was yesterday, you know, I said, it's interesting, you know, there's these things that are uh, not okay in our, in our personal life that, uh, that we just do all day in our professional life, like cold calling, like who really enjoys a cold call? Like no one does. Right. And I get it. There are times I've made it look, I've made my fair share. I'm not saying that, but like, who really likes that? Like no one does. And I, I know a lot of CISOs and they all have everyone on call block. They all have their assistant going through their emails. They all have, you know, their blacklisting all the, all the vendors if they're not, and I don't blame them. I mean, otherwise they would just be on vendor calls all day. And so, but I think there's a lot of organizations and sales leaders, revenue leaders who continue these old school ways. And then continue these old school ways to deal because occasionally they work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make a few hundred uh, cold calls every day, someone's going to answer the phone. Now, is that the relationship that I want to start with you? Where I've called you, you know, seven days in a row, 
you haven't answered. And finally you answer the phone just to get me off your back. I mean, how is that in starting a relationship? It's terrible. We would never do that in our personal life. If you called your buddy and said, Hey man, let's go for beers. You know, and would you call him five times in a row? If he didn't, you would say, what's up, man. You know, so I try to bring that sort of personal style over to the professional world. And I don't want to walk into a prospect meeting with, you know, you being kind of upset with the deception I've already used. I, I like that, Scott, where you said there's things that we, we that are unacceptable in our personal life that we make acceptable in our professional life. <laughs> that's such a, that's a very I'm not sure why, but it happens. So maybe, 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 you know, the more things might change in the future, the more they'll stay the same, right? You know, like, you know whatever is acceptable in your personal life will probably be acceptable in professional life, but you know, probably not yeah. the other way around. I don't think so. And I mean, I think there's some, the, um, I would say the buying environment has changed a lot. The selling yeah. environment hasn't changed so much. And I have some ideas around that. I, I did speak with a guy a few years ago uh, in Denver. This is probably three years ago. And he built a platform. I, right now, I can't think of it because I don't think it ever really, I'm not sure he even got it to market where um, chief information security officers could sign up and they could say what it will cost you to get a meeting with them in the form of a donation. So they can go into this platform and they can say, I will take two meetings a month, but to get that meeting, you have to give $500 to the Boy Scouts of America or whatever their favorite charity is. And I thought that had some interest, you know, some interesting, some ideas, but I think there's, there's more things like that, like demo days. I think it would be great uh, to have uh, for, and I know a couple of CISOs that do this. Where they just bring in, uh, you know, maybe four to seven vendors on a day. It's sort of like a, a little local RSA, a, a conference trade show. And they, they just set up, you know, little tables for them. And it's only for their staff. And their staff can walk around and say, who are you? What do you do? And show me how it works. And so I think there's some brilliant ideas out there. They're just coming along slowly. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of RevOps 500. This podcast is a great opportunity and channel for revenue operations and much more. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to ship production to a friendly team, check out ringmaster.com. They're the team behind this podcast. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computan. Computan serves as the back-end dev and technology team for shorthanded marketing agencies and departments. Shorthanded? Wait a minute. That sounds like me. Now, let's get back to it. The end. Yeah, those are interesting. I mean, like they're, they're just kind of taking the same ideas and turning them on their head a little bit. And man, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's cool. And then like, even from a RevOps perspective, you know, you can measure and track how those, how effective they are and what, where, where the leads are coming from. So if you're a vendor who's investing a time to head, you know, head, head over the true for vendor day or whatever, you know, you can, you can attribute cost activity, you know, revenue to, to, to that, to that action, all those sorts of things. So it's a interesting way of looking at it. So, you know, like now let, let's, let's, you know, Scott, you know, you and I go way back. So let's, let's talk about you a little bit here. I mean, so, you know, how, how did you, how did you get to, how did you get here? What's your, what's your career in, in, in sales marketing? What's it been like? Can you, can you share that a little bit with the, with our listeners? Yeah, sure. Well, I had a, a bit of a different path. Um, so I was raised in a small town in Texas. I went to, uh, I went to a state school. And, uh, the small town that I was in was all about sports and we graduated. I had uh, 84 people in my graduating class 
And, you know, if you just do the math, half of those are guys and half of those are decent athletes. So we just played every sport growing up. But when I got out of college, I became a golf professional. And uh, I, I tried to play professionally on some mini tours for a bit. And I was smart enough to realize I wasn't good enough. But then I became a, a club professional, a teaching professional. And I did that for a bit. And then I, um, about, about uh, five years. And then I got my first job in, in sales. I'm not sure if you're a golfer for Cobra and Titleist, yeah. a club, you know, club brand and a golf yeah. ball brand. And I did that for about five years as well. And uh, I was fantastic at stuff. I just sort of topped out from a, from an earnings perspective. And I, uh, I met a, a former uh, or a member of a club that I used to work at uh, after a Dallas Stars hockey game. And he asked me what I was doing. And I told him I was working, you know, in, for Titleist. And he said, how do you like it? I said, well, I'm looking to make a move so I can make more money. He said, um, this was in, uh, this was in uh, the end of 2000, maybe the fall of mm -hmm. 2000. And he said, uh, Gosh, you really ought to get into software. And for some reason that resonated with me. I, I think we had a PC at home, but wasn't much at the time, you know? And so, uh, I made the transition and I was lucky enough to have a, um, a guy who's a good friend of mine now who took a, took a shot on me and gave me a job at McAfee where a lot of security professionals started their career. And, uh, I did that for a few years and, and I was lucky to do, I. Uh, the first month I almost quit because it was so complicated, you know, coming from the, the golf business where I knew everything about everything I sold. Like I could tell you the weight of a driver head, the weight of the shaft, the weight of the grip, everything. And I got to this new, um, company, you know, network associates and, and uh, I didn't know anything. I was having a difficult time getting people to tell me. And, uh, I finally went and shadowed a couple of customers and that was like a, a really light bulb moment for me. Uh, and, and I did well there. And then I got my, my start in a startup in the startup game or the scale up game, if you will, in 2003. And I've been in that, in the, in the, really in the startup game ever since. And, and I really just, uh, my, my kids, uh, just laugh at me because, uh, we go on vacation and I take, you know, books about marketing automation or books about, uh, you know, sales techniques or, uh, leadership books. And I'm really just fascinated by the whole thing. And so I'm, I'm fortunate that I really enjoy working, which not everyone can say. I, I really do. It's not, it's, it's sort of a, a hobby. I'm, I'm the person that has no desire to retire because I enjoy it too much. But if you look at my LinkedIn, I've just gone through a lot of, a lot of different startups, you know, um, where I, I, you know, the first one was a company called iDefense that was arguably the first threat intelligence company that got acquired by Verisign. And then we started another company. It was similar to that one and just on through the ranks. And so, um, I love what I do. I'm very fortunate. I I'm lucky also that I have a, a, a broad network of, uh, of people that I, I typically bring in to, to help me accomplish the goals, which as I mentioned earlier, is just to drive shareholder value. And so, um, yeah, that's been my career, but, uh, we have, I've been married for 31 years uh, to my amazing wife, Liz. We, we have two children and daughter who's 29 and son who's 26. And I love to play golf and, uh, that's, um, that's, that's pretty much me. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good story. I mean, like it's a, it's a unique one. I mean, you started off in, in golf and now you're in the, in the software. So, you know, who, 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 I mean, do you have a mentor, I guess, who kind of egged you into software? I mean, you, you know I mean? Like, is that, is that kind of how that went? Is, is yeah. something like that? 
Yeah, I would say I have two mentors. Um, the first one was my manager at, uh, at Pineless. Um, he's a guy named Howard Nelson, and he was just brilliant. And he's, he's also just a very good person. Um, the second one is the guy named John Waters. And John was the CEO at the uh, first two startups that I did, and has become a very, very close friend. And he went on to be the, um, the CEO of Mandiant, which recently was acquired by Google for probably going to get this right, but 5.3 billion, I think, or something like that. And so he just, uh, he just, he just really a, a smart person and he's a very creative person. I love creativity. And again, he's a, he's a person who brings his morals to work every day. So I think we all have some, some sort of mentors. Uh, then, then there's a, you know, more network, uh, out, outside of that. But uh, the, I would say those are the two main mentors. Nice. I mean, then like, uh, so, you, you know, like, let's, let's talk about a bit about outside of work. I mean, you know, I, I know you, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're a big golf guy. I know, I know, I think Bo is a, he's a football player, your son, right? Is that, is that how it goes? Yeah. 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 So our, our son Bo was, um, so he played college football. He started his career at University of Central Florida, UCF. He's a quarterback and, um, was fortunate enough to get the start of four games, I believe it was on a 0 and 12 team. So he learned a little bit about adversity in his first year. Yeah. Um, you know, I won't drag you too deep into the story, but he transferred. He ended up um, playing playing quarterback uh, at Texas A&M. And uh, it was, you know, I think I'll, I'll just say this. He'll, he's, you know, he recently got married. He'll be a better father, a better husband, and a better, you know, community leader for his experiences. They could taught him a lot about uh, not everything is guaranteed. Uh, our daughter, uh, Margo, she lives uh, in Austin. She works for Indeed. You've probably seen the Indeed commercials. Nice. Yeah, yeah, sure. And she's um, um, she got the bad end of six. Dick, she's more like me. Our, our son Bo is more like uh, my wife Liz, who's who's a very calm person. Uh -huh. And so, uh, so yeah. But, but I, you know, as I said to you earlier, uh, I love to play golf, and uh, I don't get to play too much because I also love to work. But I have a Saturday morning group that I've been playing with for a long time at our club. Man. And, um, I like music, like a lot of us, you know, and on you know, the weekends, we have a lot of really good friends and we'll, we'll go out to eat or, or do a dinner party or something like that. And then, uh, I just, you know, I'm looking over at the stack of books that I have. They're just, they're, they're all about leadership. They're all the challenger sales model, the 48 laws of power, you know, um, the 33 strategies of war or, you know, radical candor from impossible to inevitable atomic habits. Pro Blazer by Mark Benning off. I mean, I just, I love, I love those. I love to read like that. Um, I'm reading, I'm reading a great book that I've read um, at least 10 times by an amazing author named Ryan, Ryan Holiday. It's called The Obstacle is the Way. And no, if you haven't read it, uh, yeah, if you haven't read it, it's fantastic. The reason I'm re re uh, reading it is my wife was recently on a, on a trip and she and her friend stopped into a bookstore. And the author was there signing, signing books. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. She knew I was such a big fan. He's written several books. Uh, Ego is the enemy. Others. Oh, I really love to, I really love to read and to, and to think, uh, think a little more broadly. And I think as we get, get older, I, I was very fortunate at, uh, at, at cyber GRX to have a executive coach and also did a lot of psychological testing and personality testing and surveys from my team and uh, the rest of the organization. And, if you haven't done that, Sajil, it's, it's terrifying. It really is, <laughs> it's, it's incredibly beneficial and incredibly terrifying. Uh, 
And the coach that I had was fantastic. One, he, at my request, and, and I, I never wanted to hear any person's name. Hey, this person doesn't like you, or this person feels like, and he was very, uh, he's very good about that. But you know, the first thing that he, I, I, I had him as a coach for about four to six months before he ever revealed anything to me. And the first thing that he revealed to me, which I, again, I was super excited to hear, but also just terrified because I knew that it wasn't going to be everyone thinks you're awesome. The first thing that he told me is something that I, I, it's, you know, a bit, a little bit of a life changer in a way. He said, you can be right without being righteous. And, uh, you know, that's a, a bit of a head scratcher for a minute, but it's, you know, 20 seconds in, you realize what it means. And uh, of course I said, okay, okay, what do you mean? And he said, um, there are people who think that when you're in a, a dispute or, you know, your idea is this and their idea is this, that not only do you want to win the argument, but you also want to kind of dance on their grave. You know, you, you want to, you know, and I said, oh my gosh, like, uh, I, I don't want to be that way at all. all. I, I, I can't believe it. someone would think that about me. He said, no, 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 it's not just one person. There's a few. <laughs> and so it was really impactful for me because it just helped me uh, understand that, you know, communication is everything and, and making sure that, you know, you don't, you don't put out that negativity is really important. Scott, where can people uh, connect with you and learn more about you and Truefort? Well, obviously, Truefort.com. Is not uh, is the is a good resource. I'm obviously on LinkedIn, and uh, I'm Scott Dot Schneider at Truefort.com. If anyone wants to send me an email, uh, Schneider is S C H N E I D E R. Uh, I'd, I'd love to connect with other uh, revenue leaders, marketing leaders, customer success leaders, uh, you know, RevOps leaders, and sometimes there's a there's a real opportunity for us to work together down the road. Other times, just sharing ideas is fantastic. And so, as I told you earlier, I'm just really fascinated by this, uh, by this profession. And so, uh, the more people I talk to, the the smarter I think I become. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we, we've this has been amazing. We've talked about golf. We've talked about you know, give us a, a bunch of books to, to to check out. I mean, we talked about your, your background. Talked about how you know, CISOs are very different than CIOs and other kinds of people. We talked about how marketing, you know, how RevOps is very very unique thing in terms of. Um, it's not just data scientists or analytics, it's also driving business decisions. So there's a lot of good information that Scott, you share with us today. And I just can't thank you enough for uh, catching up with me. Yeah, my pleasure, Sajil. Uh, let's stay in touch and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks. And to anybody listening, uh, if you learned something or laughed a little bit at Scott's jokes, uh, tell someone about the show. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Scott, for, for coming on. Thanks, Sajil. This has been another exciting episode of RevOps 500 and we'll see you guys all next time. And that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500. Thanks for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at RevOps500.com. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Copyfair, providing technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing teams.